Hello, Magic is Real listeners, and thank you for being here once again. Or if you're joining us for the first time, thank you for being here. I'm Shannon Torrance. I'm your host. I'm a psychic medium and a person. And I have with me today the beautiful Ingrid Honkala. Ingrid is a near-death experiencer and a brilliant woman. I will have her tell you about herself, her experiences, and her uh, in the insights that she's gleaned. Uh, Ingrid, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me here. This is an honor. Um, oh, it's an honor for me too. Be here and with your audience, of course. Thank you. Now, Ingrid, when you had your first near-death experience, you were just a little, little baby. So I always ask people, like, tell me about your life before your near-death experience. But your near-death experience was at a time when most of us don't have very many memories. I remember a lot. Um, and we are going to talk about that. And um, <clears throat> excuse my morning voice. Um, but also you had another quote-unquote near-death experience just last year, which we're going to talk about as well. But please feel free to introduce yourself um, by telling us about you, because I know that you are, is it, are you a scientist? Is that right? Are you, you are a scientist. And so there's more to you. Um, and so share whatever you'd like as an intro, just let us know who you are. Yes. I was born in Bogota, Colombia. And uh, I have had the opportunity to do one of the things I love to do in my life and is travel the world. I've been in 62 countries of the world. And part of that I was able to accomplish by being a scientist and sharing science and um, technologies and having the opportunity to be in oceanographic surveys all over the world, working with um, in amazing places. Like at first in Colombia, I, I work with the Environment uh, Ministry of Colombia and the Ministry of Environment. And it was an incredible uh, few years working with mangrove ecosystems and creating programs to protect them and creating consciousness in people and ways to manage their resource in a conscious, in a conscious way, in a man manageable way. So this was just incredible. Then I had the opportunity to um, go to Europe. I spent a couple of years there studying, learning remote sensing, learning to work with satellites, learning to just, yeah, advance more in my education, came back and I was able to work with the Colombian Navy. And it was a big, big project again about the environment. Uh, I became an expert in El Nino phenomenon and climate change, work with big programs in South America, and then had the opportunity to come to the United States, did my PhD in oceanography, and started to work with NASA. And with NASA, work with incredible projects, again, with climate change, with content of carbon in, in the oceans, with intake and release of carbon, with um, all the problems that we're facing right now with uh, our atmosphere, all these incredible things. I, I'm finding uh, bio, local, regional bioindicators of climate change in the oceans, incredible things. Uh, I was also working with uh, validating the algorithms for the satellites that were me measuring at that moment um, dissolved carbon in the oceans and chlorophyll and temperature. So I will go on the oceanographic process and collect samples to validate the algorithms. So just incredible stuff. I then I started to work with the uh, US Navy and I started to work with um, predicting uh, with modeling and predicting changes in the oceans and uh, it's been just an incredible career as a scientist and writing many science articles, many writing books and being pioneering in, in many different things, working with also with red tides, which is all these blooms of algae that happen in the oceans and how they can contaminate fish and that can produce like terrible uh, consequences in animals and human beings. So. 
all kind of things. <laughs> and I and I I wanted to just say really quickly that what I really appreciate, besides the fact that that's so fascinating and really interesting, and what a great life to to live, is that it is my idea that there is spirituality and science. Don't a lot of people think that there is like a disconnect or that they they aren't integrated, but as far as I'm concerned, they're the exact same thing. You you know, and so I, I just think it's really interesting that there's a lot of, well, there's science and then there's spirituality. No, it's all the same system. It's all the same thing. Yes. And, you know, now that you mentioned that to me and from my own experience, and incredibly, I was a, a spiritual before becoming a scientist. So yeah, this is the other thing I said to people. I, I always bring the clarity that in my experience and in my eyes, the spirituality is science. Because I said to people, for you to be a spiritual, you really have to apply the scientific method. How? Yes. That because if you don't, then everything turns into a dogma, into a belief. If I always put the example, imagine that there's a sky and it's completely covered with clouds. And I come and I say, oh, Shannon, you know, I have discovered that beyond those clouds, there's a sky. And you can tell me, you can choose to believe me. And if you believe without experience, you that turns into dogma. That turns into religion. It turns into like, I accept to believe this. But what happened if you say, mm, you know, not because you're, you know, because some people condemn doubt. No, is that you say, you know what? First, I choose to believe that what Ingrid is saying in the sense is like, I'm going to build my own airplane and I'm going to come from that premise that, yeah, there might be a, a blue sky up there, but I'm going to prove it. I'm going to experience it myself. Yes. If you go, you build your airplane, you put your, your uh, theory, your hypothesis, whatever it is, and your problem. And I said, okay, I'm building this airplane. Now you go on the airplane, you cross those the sky up there, you cross those clouds and you said, yes, there's a blue sky and you experience it. So now you have, you can compare and you have a result. Yes. So at the end, but it all came from the place of observation, the place of listening, the place of, at the beginning, that was uh, an idea and there was like what we call um, a, a mental process and it turned into experience. So from mental process turned into knowing. So Truly. well said. And this is another thing, Shannon, like we can talk more about this, but I uh, started to communicate with what I describe as beings of light since I was little. And that communication continue and is still happening nowadays. And people come and ask me, how you know those beings are not evil or those beings are not misleading you or those beings are the true thing. And I said, because from the time I was a little child, these beings guided me to look within. From the time I was a little child, they say, do not believe in anything we said blindly. Yeah. Experience it yourself exact same thing go within so in any in any level of or dimension of whatever any reality if a person a guru a master an angel a being of light is pointing you to go within that is the truth if somebody come here and say oh you're your guru your master you have to listen to me run That's thank not you the i just watched a documentary about a cult off the oh, it's just horrible um yeah so I love that you said that thank you and I would love to know I know you were only two years old when you had your first near-death experience do you remember having had I remember when I was two because it was pretty there's a lot of stuff going on with me that was pretty profound and so I do have memories because it was a uh, there was a lot of intense stuff that happened, which was, it wasn't bad. It was just, um, for me at the time, very overwhelming. So do you remember having had these kind of communications before your near-death experience? Or do you think it was the near-death experience that opened that 
up for you because your soul connected with the other side? I think that near that experience that I had at that age opened the possibility for me to even go back and have the memories. Mm. I don't know if I, I cannot know. I don't know if I would yeah. have memories of before if I didn't have that experience. Maybe not. Mm -hmm. But because I had that experience, it opened up not just for my memories previous to having the experience, but past lives too. Yeah. So these are, uh, and it didn't happen right at all at, at the same time. I, my memories of my past lives started to happen spontaneously when I was 16 years old. So, but it, everything just started to progress, like from there evolve, evolve. I started after my near death at two, I started to have out-of-body experiences. I started to have communication with beings of light. I started to see spirits. I started, so it just happened as a progression. When I came back from my near death, before, previous to that, I could not read, right? I was going just to be yeah. three years old. I came back and not long after I could read, I could write, I could resolve mathematical problems, I could paint, mm -hmm. I could put together complex puzzles. So it's like, people ask me, how can you remember? And I said, how can I forget? <laughs> <laughs> right. And just, and starting because the experience itself was very traumatic. Yeah. And then it opened, I don't know, for me, the door to have memory so after that i have uh, what is called photographic memory and on top of that i can remember even things of the time when i was an infant i can remember the first time shannon i was aware that i was breathing wow. and it caused me a big shock like i didn't understand what was happening and it it I, I, I can even say it's the first time I have memory of feeling fear. Yeah. And I remember have memory when I discovered my hands. I had memories of looking at my mom from the crib. I have memory. Oh, I have many, many memories. So like, and then now going back a past life. So yeah, that just opened. Yeah. Now I definitely want to talk about the past life stuff. So don't let me forget that. But mm -hmm. We'll start with, um, I know that you were two years old and I have been a childcare provider almost my entire life, a nanny, daycare worker, and this is like my worst nightmare, but can you tell <laughs> us, you know, you don't have, yeah, like tell us as much as you'd like to about that experience first. Oh gosh, I think you would have been my nanny. It would have been not easy. <laughs> it, <laughs> I'm sure you were so cute. I was very rebellious because when I came back from my near-death experience, first I look at myself and I said to my mom, I'm not this child. This is not who I am. Right. And it was very difficult. And I would look at my parents and I didn't feel them as my parents. I had experienced oneness. And for me, they were, I felt them as my equal wow. so I did, why do I have to listen to these people and growing up I refused to be conditioned oh in a school I was like it was a moment I even took my shoes and socks off and I stood on top of the desk and I'm like I don't have to listen to you because I didn't want to be conditioned and for a while growing up I I didn't want to be here, Shannon. I, I did not want to come back. And then I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to play. My mom said, uh, I reach a point because now you have to see it from also the point of view of the people around. She said it was so hard that there was a moment that I didn't even want to be touched. Oh, that's hard for a parent. Yeah, so I feel, oh, oh my mom, imagine a child that don't want to eat, a child mm -hmm. that had to be so hard but I always say thankfully the help that I need came when I started to communicate with beings of light because it was the, the moment where I started to feel that sense of connection that says because I didn't even have connection with my own persona yeah it was like I'm not this person I'm not this body 
that's not my name. And it was amazing because at that experience, I, I, when people will call me, I would just say, don't call me like that. That's not my name. Yeah. And then, um, I was already having uh, my connection with the beings of light at this point, I could feel them. I could smell them. You being a medium, you know how these things yeah. like feeling, smelling, sensing, but I could not hear them at the beginning. And the moment I started to hear their voice was uh, I was um, I think close to five years old. And one day they're calling me for dinner. Ingrid, Ingrid. And I'm like, don't call me like that. That's not my name. And then these, the maid, the lady came and like, we're Ingrid, we're calling you for dinner. And I said, don't call me like that. That's not my name. And she's like, then how should we call you? And I turn and I say, I do not need a name. Mm. And then they send me to bed because how hard is dealing with this child. And then I went to bed and I'm crying. And it's when I hear the voice for the first time and it was oh, it's, imagine it's kind of like the voice of this gentle compassionate loving being talk to you like in a way of like a whisper like a secret it's going to take time for them to understand that names are not needed in the realm of the mm -hmm. night oh, and they said to me like you already know and so they gave me the feeling like course with them it's always like that it's not a mental thing it's a feeling thing so like i get it it's like labels are not needed in the realm of the light of course later i understood and rather that with my human experience and all of us names are beautiful they carry energy we need them but now i knew i'm not crazy <laughs> i understand why i don't need a name but they also told me at that moment that it was important that I did not talk about this because people could not understand. Yeah. But that was my experience, Shannon. And I was like, what is not to understand? What are you talking about? <laughs> but later, of course, I started to realize when I talked to people, when I brought up beings of light, started like, oh, gosh, yeah, this child is dreaming. This child is making stories. This child has a big Im imagination. So that was really hard. And I think what helped incredibly is they said there will be people in your path that is going to validate you that and are going to help you. And one of the first people was my mom. Thankfully, because at that point I I was so confused. I didn't know what to do. And in a school, I went to kindergarten and started to paint beans of light everywhere. Because they said, don't talk about that. But I always joke and say, but they didn't say, don't paint about it. <laughs> so that was funny. Painting beans of light everywhere. And it's when the teacher was very curious. What is that? Like the sun, the stars? What is this child painting this everywhere? And I said, no, those are my friends, the beans of light. And the teacher That's like, she has imaginary friends. <laughs> Well, my parents so my my mom came to the school and this when I discovered that I also could see auras oh. because I was painting auras everywhere and then for me that was normal I didn't know I was seeing something other people couldn't see so my mom told the teacher at that moment my mom was a teacher too and um she said this is just a stage we're going to work at she didn't want me to be in trouble at a school. And when we left is when my mom said, I can also see things that others cannot see. And it's I when she got to me that she could see spirits. So it's like, now later, of course, in time I learned I was born in a, a, a bloodline of mediums and psychics. And so now then I had the support otherwise over time, they would have probably sent me to, who knows, psychology, medications, stuff. But things that my mom now also understood that my nature was that too, then she just helped me. 
Yeah, that makes so much sense because when I said that um, it's my, a nanny's worst nightmare, it's because when you were two, this woman was watching you and you had said that she was watching her telenovelas or whatever they were, right? Um, and wasn't watching you. And that's how you ended up. Was it you were drowned? You were you underwater. Um, and and that's how you had your near-death experience. But I also want to say that it's interesting to me that you come from this bloodline of people who are able to connect with the spirit world. And I really have said this a million times on the show, but that so many people who were born intuitive because they were meant to kind of have this knowledge in this world. Usually, I think usually, and I'd like to ask you um, what you think the, the reason is, um, because I think that there are people that do need to know this information to share it with other people. But a lot of them have near-death experiences. And my theory, but I want to hear yours, is is it because uh, you're sort of meant to see even deeper? So it's sort of like that was supposed to happen to you, do you think, to give you that glimpse? Because then it happened to you again. Um, it's like your soul is so much more tethered to the other side that it's easier for your soul to leave your body so i'd love to hear your thoughts on that um and then also a little bit about when you were to what you remember about what you experienced at that time yes i i think it's clear for me and i i have learned it through time that uh i meant to remember earlier i meant to come back and remember that's part of the the purpose the mission and it was um and bring that influence into my family and the people around me since I was very young. If I didn't remember, it would have taken who knows how long, or or I will not uh have the possibility to have the connection, the deep connection I had with the members of my family and the people that meant to be there to guide me too. So I know that my pre-plan, part of my pre-plan was. <laughs> You have to remember fast. So, and this is another thing incredible. I, when I asked the beings of light, why it happened when I was so young? They said, because you were, they said it this way, because you were old enough to remember, mm -hmm. but young enough not to be conditioned yet. That's so and cool. That is so amazing because, yeah. of course, it's the part that, the experience is so pure. I didn't even have at that age any, I, I look at my son and I said, at two or three, he didn't even understand that. He didn't even know what that meant. I remember I paid very close attention. When did he really got to the age where he could understand what that meant? Because I wanted to compare. I wanted to see. And I remember it was very late. It had to be five six before he really understood what dying and dead and all that was and I said I was only two yeah so it was that clarity that you had to be this pure being with no preconceived ideas with nothing there and now I came and I had all these clarities and I had that knowing <laughs> And of course, I didn't have the language. I didn't have the way to express it. But everything started to make sense through time. People say that when a child has a near-death experience, it takes about 30 to 40 years to integrate the experience. And yeah, it took many, many years and many spiritual teachings and many understandings to put it all together. Like, oh, I get it. I get And to ask the right questions and to get the right answers. Right. But yeah, it took time. And this is the other thing. I um, Later, I asked the beings of life, what was the purpose of that experience too? And that is a very, very profound, profound teaching too, because they said to me from that place of purity, from that place of not knowing, from that place of not being conditioned, show that the most important thing is love the most important thing is connection and when i they said that to me i said you meant to bring here the the message of the power of connection and i didn't even understand like how and we can talk a little bit of the experience itself but when i died i drowned 
like you mentioned, I, I went to meet the mate that's supposed to be taking care of us and she was listening to radio novellas and I, or also operas in, in Spanish, we say yeah. novella. <laughs> and my mom, she was, she had to go work and she was, she didn't have a car, she was walking. She was far away from the house, about 10 minutes. She was close to her bus stop. And first, uh, after I left the body, I saw my body. I, the body was, the, that was the, the big impression. The eyes were open, the body was there. And I was like, oh, that's my body. Mm -hmm. And then there was another thing that happened there. I was born as a very sick child there was a purpose in that too, because we were saying, oh God, why a child is going to be born so sick? And I didn't even know, Shannon, what well-being was. I spent almost three years of my life very sick, very unwell. I was born with respiratory problems. I had asthma, I had bronchitis. I was a very sick child. And this is the first time having the being in that realm of the spirit and I was in a state of absolute well-being and then what why I was born sick because that gave me contrast if I was born as a very healthy child if uh I was born in a family where every all the connections and love was perfect maybe I have the experience and I cannot remember it because there was not really big contrast for me to remember. But because I was born so sick and I was experiencing so much well-being, when I look at the body, I was like, oh, I'm not going back there. Forget it. So I even had that clarity. And I even, I, I was amazed of the capacity later of thinking that I could make that choice. And at that moment, I was like, I'm not going back to the body. No, thank you. I turned around and I left it behind. And then I had experience of seeing flowers, experiencing absolute peace, absolute silence. Oh, just, it is indescribable. <laughs> just joy and embrace and love and all that. And then I, I said that I was like pretty much like being carried by flowers because that's what I started to see flowers blooming and the flowers pick me up. And when I am experiencing this in like just a blink, I am in the maid's room and I'm floating above her and I'm like, oh, that's Maria. Maria completely unaware. And then in another blink, I am in my mom's path and I'm looking at her from above and I'm like, the moment I say, that is mom, she stopped. She did not give another step. She, nothing. She knew immediately something is happening at home with one of my babies. And I have to say two things. My mom was a very intuitive person, but I also have to say that my mom was very clever and she always listened to her intuition because it's not enough to be intuitive. You have to listen. Yeah. To and my mom started to run back home. Wow. I looked at my mom and I'm like, whoa, I wonder why she's running. <laughs> and then we can talk about that after, but many things happen after that. But what I want to share right now is how I started this part. And it was, what was that message of connection? So what happened is that when I asked the beings of lie and they said, you meant to bring the, the message of the power of connection, they said, Remember when you saw your body and you left it behind? Said, guess what? That was a choice of the ego. That was the ego mind that was still in you. And that ego mind was going to say, oh, no, I'm not going to suffer. I'm not going to have that experience. Forget it. But they said to me, that was not your purpose. They said, there is a universal purpose that goes beyond the needs of the ego. And your purpose was to come back, remember <laughs> who you are and bring these messages. And then he said, that's the reason why you went to look for help 
with the maid and with your mom. Wow. And I said, of course, in my ego mind, no, how did I go and ask? Because I wanted to stay. I didn't want to come back. And then they said to me, so when you went to the maid's room, what happened? No connection. She could not hear you. What happened when you went to meet your mom? Unconditional love. Absolute connection. They said, look, love doesn't have barriers. They even said, you are the proof that the connection between the spiritual realm and the, the, the physical realm is real because you came back to tell because you were up there and you talked to your mom. And my mom being 10 minutes away from home, she was the one that saved me. She knew, she phoned me, she knew where I was. She, when she went into the house, she went directly to the place where I had drowned. So it's like, look what love does. It resolves everything. Wow. And they said, what happened with the maid? The maid on top of that, Shannon, she, um, like you say the worst nightmare, she, in this case with this nanny, she didn't really love us at all. She mistreated us. So there was no connection at all there. And this is what they say. When there is no connection, they will let you drown. When there is no connection, there will be war. When there is no connection, division. So that was that message in experience that I came to bring. Thank you. You answered that question beautifully. I know if you want to hear all the details, Ingrid has been interviewed on many other podcasts, so you can hear that. Um, I really appreciate that as a really important message. Now I'd like to, and I, and we're going to get to the second near-death experience that you just had, but just in between it, I would love to talk about uh, past life, past life memories, but and kind of how that all works, but what your experience of that was when you were 16, how did that start for you? And what did you kind of learn about how uh, your past lives, but also past lives in general and how, how that whole system works? It all happened, like I said to you, in, in a very spontaneous, natural way. I went to a hypnotherapist event. A hypno this guy was very known and he was doing... Uh, this hypnosis, no hypnotherapy, sorry, this hypnosis event. And then uh, the guy was uh, hypnotizing people and it was that day was happened to be my birthday. And I was with an uncle and he he started to pick some people from the audience and he's like, hey, it's her birthday. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, it's her birthday. And then I ended up <laughs> on the stage and he did his hypnosis thing. And I've been practicing meditation since I was eight years old. And I had already experienced, and I had many out-of-body experiences after my near-death, but it was that I didn't know that in a moment like that, that somebody could guide you to have an experience. For me, everything happened in a spontaneous way. So I'm sitting there uh, in the audience or right there doing the, the whole thing with the guy and the moment he does his hypnosis thing. I just relax. And when I relax, now I had an out-of-body experience and I'm looking at the audience from above. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And first I was super nervous to be there. And then the fear is gone. All that is gone. I'm like, this is so good. This feels so good. So I am in my experience there and the guy now is asking me to come back and I'm not coming back. And this is being filmed and everything. And of course, the guy started to feel this anxiety because he's like calling me to come back and I'm not coming back. And then when I sense I am an empath, I'm, when I sense his, his yeah. fear, his nervousness, I'm like, oh, what am I doing to this guy? And I... So I, I am back and he's like, what just happened? And then after that, everybody's asking me what happened, what happened? And it was like pretty shocking thing. And I'm like, he just did a really good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I became very curious. I'm like, I want to know more. So I, I, I 
brought the word hypnotherapist because after that, I decided I'm going to look for somebody that can do this kind of thing. So this uncle, he knew someone, it is psychologist that practice hypnotherapist and uh, hypnotherapy. And I'm like, I'm going to go to meet this guy. And this was the first time that I would just say my psychic abilities manifested and but having the possibility to see the past so I'm sitting with this guy I'm meeting for the first time in my life and he asked me to live with a question and my question was always about my health because after my near death of course imagine I already had respiratory problems after drowning it became worse yeah so I was very very sick person and then uh, I went to this with this question, why I, I'm always sick, why I was born sick. And the moment I go into the hypnosis, I stopped seeing my experience and I started to see his life. And I started to see his childhood. And I started to talk about him. I never met this person. He had a beard, so there was no way to know that he had um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I started to say when you were a child this happened to you and then uh, other children um, mock you and then you suffer everything and this guy how can you know these things how can you know these things and then I said silent because now you're going to heal so I started to tell him all this stuff and then I said now you are aware and you can heal so the guy was like, what just happened? I was like, what just happened? And then he said, then he sent me to a friend of his that was uh, an expert in hypnosis and that also was pioneer those days and past life regressions. And I started to, he was studying this subject. And he said, I have to send you to this friend. So I went to meet him and in the very first session, again my question about the health and I have to tell you something the day I went to meet which validates because in my life is like always the being so like I said there's always going to be a witness and there's always going to be a way to validate that your experiences are real so when I went to meet these uh psychologists that day I was in a very serious episode of bronchitis Oh, but I was already used to be sick all the time. And I went to meet him and I asked this question about my health. And the moment I started to go back, the first thing was this cold. It was so violent. I was shaking. It was, I was freezing cold. And then the first thing I saw was my birth in this life and how cold I felt in the room when they pulled me out of my mom. And then it went back and the first memory I had of, of a past life was I was in a dungeon, freezing, cold, dying. I, I was a prisoner and I was being condemned to die in this. And it was a dungeon almost the size of my body. It wasn't even a big, it was, and I was in this prison. In, incredibly years later, I went to Italy and I went to see it was that I don't know if it was exactly the same place or it was exactly similar to the place where I died in that life. Uh, it was this dungeon, and then uh, I was almost just a little thing layer of clothing, and I was at the moment where I was going to die, and I died from something that I could say today was related to like tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I was praying to die, and I was almost like a skeleton. So I saw how horrendous this life had been. And then I started to go behind that many lives in which I died from respiratory problems. And it all went to the origin of the cause. And it was thousands of years ago where uh, I was in a war and I died from a spear going through my lungs. And in that life, I drowned in my own blood wow. so 
many lives I had wronged too. So it was incredible when I saw that. And the reason why it got, because I, it could have been another death, but the reason why it was the beginning or the original death is because in that life, I died trying to save somebody I loved and I could not save. I was a, a man, I could not save her. Um, I, after I died, I saw how she was killed. So I guess it, the impression of that was enormous. So I had many deaths <laughs> related yeah. with that. So incredibly, the moment I had all this clarity, I saw all these deaths, I opened my eyes and I said to him, I understand now why I was born sick. I understand now why I have these feelings of sadness inside me. I understand that. I, and I, when all these clarities came, I felt a sense of well-being and my bronchitis, I had asthma and bronchitis were healed. Wow. And from that day on, Shannon, I was never, ever sick again. That's so cool. And I, you may be getting to it, but I'll ask, why do we repeat these health ailments, for example? Because what if we don't know about past life past lives or don't believe in them or don't know how does the knowing kind of heal that or why would you know what what's the sort of spiritual purpose of us suffering the same ailment throughout our lives or the same even spiritual uh, ailment is the moment in which we have consciousness awareness clarity and having that Clarity and having, and it, not just about seeing the experience, but knowing the purpose. And the, the purpose is like going to that place of having that clarity and that understanding and that knowing. It was like, and I said to people, people ask me, do I have to uh, have past life experiences? Do I have to go and learn about my past? And I said, not really. Yeah. Not really. In my case, this presented this way, and I'm grateful that it did. But I said, people, look at your life today. Mm. What are your patterns? What are your habitual way of living? What is your conditioning? What are your beliefs? Look at your life today. What are your emotional um, state of being now? How is your psychic? And by looking at yourself now or today and working with your emotions, and that's the teachings I share now, and I guide the people to use their senses and to use their emotions and to use their thoughts as a way of waking up, as a way of becoming present. I, I love to use this um, sentence, what is in the way, is the way then if you have the opportunity to go and, and know and remember other past lives and, and maybe heal from there is okay but if you don't look at yourself now know thyself become an observer of yourself am I being reactive am I being um, a, a person that is unconscious am I how am I responding to life if we are reactive people we know that we already have a lot of work to do and then again I, I teach techniques very amazing that I have learned too through time of how become the observer of yourself how have a life of presence how have a life where what is in the way is fueling your awareness is bringing you to remember who you truly are and you know sometimes actually people ask me why we forget and I said to people why why you want to remember stuff that if we cannot even deal with the stuff that we are experiencing hmm. in this life our traumas our difficulties our challenges why you want to go back and remember a bunch of stuff that is pretty probably hard and difficult right if we resolve our life here and now we resolve all our lives that's great thank you 
yeah, all of what you said is wonderful. And there's so many ways to do that. And I love that you teach that. <clears throat> and also there, yeah, there's therapy. There's, I did 12 step and that revealed a lot of my patterns and then had to look at, oh, wow. I, that's why I think everyone should do the 12 steps, whether they're an addict or not. It's just looking at all of these situations in your life that weren't serving you or all of these resentments you have, which they call them resentments, but they're really sort of life circumstances in which uh, I think that's just a, a good name to call it, for lack of a better term, where it's like, oh, this person hurt me. This person hurt me. I'm resentful because this um I'm resentful at the church. I'm resentful. It could be an organization. And then you kind of go down this list of questions about each thing. And it always comes down to the answer, which is, oh, I caused, or, or I sort of, I had a, a part in that. It's now not always because I, you know, you could have been violently assaulted. That is not your fault, but um, you can still add it, but it's that we understand that has nothing to do with your part. However, there's so many circumstances. This person walked all over me. Well, you didn't set boundaries. This mm -hmm. mine was always, I was too nice and too accommodating and a people pleaser and I didn't set boundaries. So that's why all of these things happened to me, um, which is it didn't happen to me. It happened because, oh, well, if I had just put my foot down, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and so I had to look at how I'm putting other people's needs first all the time and how that has been the crux of my endless problems. It's like, well, no wonder you have emotional problems because you're, you don't have uh, self-esteem and you don't have boundaries and you're letting other people treat you poorly. Um, and so let's, that's what we need to get to. So there are other ways to work on it, but I love, I, so I love that approach. I think um, I would love to do a past life <clears throat> regression, but just because it's interesting. Um, and I think that can really help, but if there are also so many other ways that you can look at, okay, why do I keep dating this type of person? Why do I keep losing all my money? Why do I keep having bad luck or whatever? And it's in, a lot of times it'll come back to the common denominator is me. And not to blame people, there are things that happen that aren't people's fault, but you know. So yeah, what, what would you say to that? I, I also say, I wanted to add something uh, is that the beings of life said to me something really beautiful. Uh, why do we forget? Why do we come here and forget? They said, why to carry an old wardrobe when we when life is giving you a new one? Ah, uh, that's great. You want to carry with all the heaviness of thousands of lives. When imagine this is your possibility to reset yourself. This is a gift. Like start anew, but of course, we carry things that are not going to appear right there like that in one moment and and cause you not little by little is also you, you we make decisions even pre-plan but i don't remember that pre-plan again observe your life now and you little by little see how these things are coming to play a role in your life and how you actually have the capacity to be strong, to be resilient, the tenacity. I always say to people, don't focus in the things that have not work. Focus in the things that have work. Look at how strong I am. Look at how resilient I am. Look at how intelligent I am. Look at how there's a wisdom in, like at the time I couldn't resolve it because I was too young, because I didn't have the tools, now I do. Who was your ally? my pet even if you don't feel that you have any friends my pet was my ally my angels that I love were my ally my own self was my ally in the moments that I felt I didn't have anybody my family my friend my whoever sees like write a list of the things that have worked because the mind is tend to focus on what hasn't worked the negative bias what is not good, what hasn't worked, what I'm not good for. Start writing that list of the things yeah. that the reason that you're here, despite all the challenges and difficulties, is because you are an amazing, strong being. <laughs> Start from there. Like, wow, what, what makes possible that I'm standing here? And from there, now you start seeing your values. Know what your limitation and the things that you don't have so that's amazing the, the other thing is that um, we might forget 
the stuff that is, let's call it of the surface, that um, this illness, this stuff that I lost a house, that I lose money. Even nowadays, we can even look at the past and how much we have even forget about this very life. But the essence that you are, what you have gained at the level of consciousness, awareness, presence, you never lose. You never lose. So that's why I say I my memory of or, or say remembering who I was started for me at the age of two because I already have worked that path. And that's also the proof and validation that the essence that we are remains. So it was like, I remember faster. And we see many, many children nowadays coming back, coming to the life with so much awareness, how they can be that where they already been working the path of consciousness. How many gurus, teachers, beings that are like, whoa, they came fully awake or they remember pretty quick because the essence I want to, Bring people this clarity, the essence that you are, you never forget. So I like to, to do give the example of orange juice. At the intellectual level, you can know, for example, this in this analogy, I'm going to give everything about orange juice. You can even know the biology of the oranges, the physiology, the chemistry. You can make a PhD in like oranges and you can be the best preparing the best orange juice in this world. But if you don't drink it, you don't know it. And time probably passed and you might even forget, I don't remember what was the chemistry of the orange juice. I don't know, it's been so many years that I study it, but I can tell you how does it taste. And if you ever drank it, it doesn't matter how many years have passed, you can tell me, oh, yeah, I remember the taste because it's experiential. Once you start really touching the true nature that you are, remembering who you are, becoming aware of that presence that you are, drinking the orange juice, you never forget. And that's what, that's the important thing. The rest, if I was, I don't know, um Cleopatra or if I was the king of whoever or if, if I had money or if I had power or if I whatever it's just stuff that's just experience but all that experience in reality we don't look at the experience beyond the experience I said behind the experience with the idea of touching the purpose of it which is not other than bring us to remember who we truly are, then it's just one more thing. Yeah. Just one more stuff from the outer. When I ask the being so like, what is our purpose and what is our mission? They say to me, your purpose is to remember that you are the light of consciousness. And your mission, all of us, is to shine that light. Your purpose, remember that you are the light. Your mission, shine the light. In whatever you do, because people think, what, now I have to be the guru in the cave. No, shine your light in your home, in your job, in the bank, in the line, at Walmart, in your car, wherever you are. Be that. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so fortunate to be able to, it's like to be able to, to um, receive all of your beautiful messages personally. And I know that all my audiences will too. Um, so let, yeah. So last year you had a surgery and what happened? As if you didn't already have enough wisdom, as if you hadn't already had enough experience. But this experience was actually unique, amazing, Shannon, in the sense that 
from the time I had my near-death experience, my first one, and by the way, by the way, I had a second one when I was 24 in a in a motorcycle accident, but it was that sense, and like I expressed to the, at the beginning, I wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. I never, I didn't want to come back here. So for many years, I really did not um, feel that this life was a gift. For many years, I wanted to leave. I wanted to die. I thought about that for many years. When I had my big awakening, I said about 12 years ago is when I finally started to make peace with the idea, my humanity has a purpose, all that. This is the opportunity to experience contrast, to know myself, to heal, all this. But it was always that sense of like, out there but it comes a teaching that I started to receive since I was a child and it's in the scriptures what is the kingdom of heaven where is home and when I was little and I was having my auto body experiences and I first met the beings of light it was in that realm of the light it was that sense I want to go there again and when I started to see them here on earth is when I started to feel I don't need to go there I'm feeling that joy here but I was still confused how this can be so it took many years and another near that experience to finally understand it or to finally experience it like the orange juice so I went to this surgery and before the surgery, I already knew that something was going to happen. So I told, and I was guided to the right doctors. I had to change doctors, everything, because I knew the other doctor wasn't going to listen. And I said to this doctor, something, you have to monitor my blood pressure. You have to. And because I was so on it, she called the uh, anesthesiologist. I said, I'm very sensitive to anesthesia. You have to monitor my blood pressure. And then during the procedure, that's supposed to be a sample procedure. I went I went under general anesthesia and there was a moment in which my blood pressure went down all the way. And then because they were monitoring my blood pressure directly, they could take action immediately but what happened is when my blood pressure went to the ground of course I enter into hypothermia so this is all happening to my body a procedure that's supposed to be so simple now it was crazy but while they're dealing with my body here what happened in the spiritual realm at at the deeper level was that it was Again, that sense I experienced in my first and second near death experiences of like peace. I was back in the realm of the light. I was, oh, I already knew this feeling. I already knew where I was. And then at that moment was the first time, Shannon, that's why I mentioned the other, the second near death is because it was the first time from the three, the other two, the other two, I was never asked. I was sent back, period. This is the first time I was asked if I wanted to stay or I wanted to go. And I was incredibly, because usually people are, are they are said, you have to go back or, or like me, they, nothing is said, but they asked me. And then the moment they asked me if I wanted to stay, oh, of course I want to stay. Again, it was the needs of my my ego. My, it was like, of course I want to stay. This is heaven. This is like a 10 diamond resort. <laughs> yeah. And then something happened. The moment I heard, or oh, you want to go back. The moment I heard you want to go back, I guess since I've been practicing presence, since I've been in the state of wanting to be a conscious being and and expressing that presence all these years, 
through my my beingness, my actions, my everything. I at that moment I said, oh, "Is this a test?" So I was conscious, and I said, "Hmm." But this come the next thing. I was not feeling that somebody was testing me, that anybody was judging me or testing me. I knew I was part of it. I is this a test? I'm proving myself. I'm testing myself. And I said, because if God is everything, if God is everywhere and absolutely, absolutely everything is a manifestation of God. So where is here and where is there? I said, in reality, there is no here and there is not. And at that moment, I said, if I can be in peace, if I can be in God, no matter I am, I am already there. And then the only thing that came to my mind at that moment was like, leave me where I can serve God the most. And at that moment, up, up to that moment, this is incredible, Shannon, because when you're in that state of being, there's no judgment. And when there's no judgment and there's no attachment, then I was for not for a moment I ever thought my husband, my son, my family, how can I do this? There's no judgment. So at that moment, I knew everything is all right. If I decide not to come back, if I leave, everything is all right. Everybody's experiencing what they have to experience. There is an order. There is purpose. And then there was nothing of be afraid of, attached to, criticize, judge. But the moment I said, give me where I can serve God the most is when the anchor, something that anchored me, something that was going to bring me back had to happen. And then at that very moment, I'm like, oh, my son, my husband, my family, and all the emotional attachments and all the stuff that could anchor me happen. And then I was back. But that's when I realized I understand with my entire heart Home is not a place, it's a state of being. The kingdom of heaven is here and now. And my job is to resolve myself here and now. And I swim for the first time, I started to see life, my life as Ingrid, which is a parenthesis in the eternity of my soul, as my opportunity to correct what I have not right, to see what I have not seen. This is again the opportunity that brings us the biggest contrast so we can see what is hidden. We can find our shadow, we can correct. So I started to think about incredibly like near-death experiences. People say, I want to have a near-death experience. And now I said, no, we have to have a near-life experience. We have to live. We have to see that every one of the moments that we are here have here hard. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but it's also joyful. But it's also an opportunity. And it's when that sentence that maybe you have here, many people have here, nothing is happening to us. It's happening for, for us. us. So I can remember who I am. So I can go back to my true nature. So I can, is the contrast. I said, people, how could you know who you are if you don't know, like, or, or I can say, how you know what you like if you don't get to know what you don't like. If I don't like this, then oh, I like it. If I don't like this, I, this is what I like. I said, how can you know health if you never have been sick and how can you appreciate it? How can you know joy you never have been sad and you can appreciate it just by experiencing this contrast? So now it's like, let's live <laughs> through this contrast and this life 
go back to your heart, go back to your core, go back to your essence. That is the most beautiful. That right there is a whole TED Talk. And I am so honored that you sh are sharing that with me and with my audience. That was just beautiful. Thank you. Um, I wanted to thank you so much um, for taking the time and energy to do what you're doing. And I know that you do it all the time. But I just want to give a special thanks because I know that you've told your story and you've shared so many insights so many times. And you keep bringing the passion and the emotion and the connection that you, that we both know is so important. So is there anything else that you'd like to say? And also we will have, I'll have links for how to contact you. Um, how can people work with you and learn from you? Do you do one-on-ones? Do you do groups? How does that work? Yes, yes, I do one-on-ones. Uh, I, uh, I, for a while I was doing mentorings and I, We'll come back to that next year. This year, I was very focusing um, working with myself even deeper because everything I share in my one-on-ones, in my talks, in my presentations, in uh, in what I do with people, I experience it myself. Yeah. And I always say to people, this works because I've done it. Yeah. And I work with groups of people and this work for these people. So it's proof and it's like this, whatever it is, works. I would not teach it if it didn't work. So yeah, I um, through my website, people can learn more about me, can uh, find ways to work with me again one-on-one -on -one, or in the future, I'm going to open more to work with groups. Um, but yeah, just I, I would just say um, go to my website and and uh, add your name to my um, newsletters so you can know my future events and and the things I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to be in Europe next year. I will be doing a retreat in a city close to Barcelona, Spain, and I thankfully will be also talking in London and in Madrid. And we will see where else, which other opportunities present in Europe. That's amazing. I was hoping you would say retreats. Um, thank you, Ingrid Honkala. The website link will be below. You are just such a beautiful person, soul, which uh, are one and the same thing. So I just am so honored and grateful to know you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been an honor. Likewise.